Welcome to Grand Central Radio, the Grandparents Community Platform. I'm your host, Jerry Cole. This is a talk, listen, and act show for grandparents and future grandparents everywhere. My adult child, that child's spouse and in-laws, and my two young grandchildren give me lots of questions and concerns. Like you, I want to be as effective for my grandkids and their parents as possible. To achieve these goals, I also want to stay physically and mentally fit and have fun. We can help each other by sharing our challenges and ideas about grandparenting and our lives as grandparents. You can replay our shows, find materials curated especially for grandparents, and contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, GrandCentralRadio.com. Many grandparents know the basics of safe equipment and supplies for their grandchildren. For cribs, confirm that vertical slats are not more than two and three-eighths inches apart so that a baby's head will not fit between them, and that corner posts are not higher than one-sixteenth inch above end panels so that the baby's clothing won't catch on those posts. Don't use crib bumpers that could suffocate an infant. Avoid vigorous infant rockers. Avoid talcum powder because inhaling it is unhealthy. Cornstarch is a much safer choice. Use cabinet, drawer, and toilet locks and electric outlet covers generously. Keep fire, water deeper than a few inches, and weapons far away from children. And clothe infants and young children in fireproof and close-fitting sleep clothing. But are these safeguards enough? Today, we'll discuss product safety tips for grandparents with our special guest, Dr. Gerald Goldhaber, known on CNN Tonight as The Warnings Doctor, a renowned expert witness, consultant, author, and radio and television show analyst about safety warnings. He publishes the monthly Goldhaber Warnings Report, and the most recent of his 11 books is Murder Incorporated, How Unregulated Industry Kills or Injures Thousands of Americans Every Year and What You Can Do About It. Jerry will alert us to product safety hazards we may encounter while grandparenting that we may not otherwise anticipate and explain how we can obtain more information about and avoid those hazards. You'll hear on this podcast Jerry's personal views on this topic. Those views do not constitute the views of any of his publishers or his affiliates, or risk management, insurance, legal, medical, psychological, or other advice by him, me, or Grand Central Radio. We urge all listeners to review information available from governmental agencies and consumer protection organizations and publications before purchasing or using any product or service. Jerry, thank you for joining us on Grand Central Radio. Glad to be here, Jerry. Glad to be here. Jerry, your academic educational focus was speech and communications, including a PhD in organizational interpersonal communication from Purdue University. When, where, and why did you become fascinated with product and other warnings? Well, actually, I was always interested in safety communications, which is a subset of organizational communication. I had the uh, a distinct honor of studying organizational communication under Charles Redding at Purdue, who created the field, actually. He was the first known scholar in the area. And he gave me pretty loose uh, ability to expand my wings in whatever directions I wanted. And I became interested in safety in the early 1970s 
as a way for organizations to communicate important information to the public. This interest got tapped in a real world when uh, I wrote my first book, Organizational Communication, the first text in the field, actually. Uh, Charles never wrote a text and encouraged me to do so, so I did. And I was teaching at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque when I got a phone call from uh, University of Texas professor Don Porterfield, who was using my book. And he was consulting on a litigation matter. I was kind of new to me. I'd only use lawyers for speeding tickets. And uh, he invited me to participate in this. And uh, there were over 100 component manufacturers in an oil refinery explosion, all suing each other. So long and short of it was, I was asked for my expert opinions on what went wrong. And when I was deposed in the case down in Texas, I uh, walked into an auditorium with 100 people. And I didn't realize it, that most of those people would become clients of mine in the future. So when you ask, how did I get started in this, this lawsuit in 1978 in Galveston, Texas, uh, which involved an explosion in an oil refinery, and uh, the issue really came down to a safety communication issue, who needed to know what information, when and where and how. And that's where my opinions uh, got developed. And so from that moment on, I started to get phone calls from Texas, which is good because I like Texas barbecue. And uh, the, the lawyers from Texas all heard about me from that one deposition. And then my uh, interest in the area became more than academic. It became professional as my consulting services were sought moving forward from 1978. That was 44 years ago. Ever since then, I've been involved in safety communications, both academically and professionally. Aside from the oil and gas industry, and obviously you had strong mentorship in that field, what particular products and facilities interest you most as subjects of warnings? Well, of interest to grandparents, particularly uh, consumer products are, are the most important of my interest. And I, I cut across as a general practitioner virtually every kind of product you can think of. But the reason I was most interested in consumer products is because uh, according to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is a government agency responsible for looking out for our safety with everything we buy or use, and a lot of this is at home. And I found out through their statistics that uh, although senior citizens, people 65 and older, we only make up 13% of the population, we make up 65% of all the fatalities due to uh, uh, consumer products that we confront. And most of those injuries occur in our home, in our home. So we're very vulnerable uh, to products. So I set upon my life's work is trying to find out what products most likely could injure or kill, particularly senior citizens, and uh, where people who are grandparents need to be responsible for protecting their grandchildren. And so this is near and dear to my heart, Jerry, uh, the question you've asked. And I'm prepared to talk about a lot of those products that you just might not think about that are lurking with dangers in our homes that might be of, of interest to us as grandparents and to our own personal safety as well as protecting our grandchildren. Well, Jerry, what what, uh, what were the steps that it's hard to call you Jerry because I'm Jerry too. Sometimes I think I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, what, uh, what areas of research and 
experience did you develop particularly focused on consumer products? How did you develop your expertise in that particular area? Well, the first products that I became very interested in uh, was quite by accident. I was asked by a law firm to look into an injury at a swimming pool. And given that this is now summertime, uh, I have my own podcast and I'm going to be talking about summer in, summer injuries. And so I became interested uh, through a lawsuit in the injuries that can occur to teenage grandchildren, particularly teenagers, where uh, they would be diving into shallow water because teenagers think they can have no harm occur to them. They think they're invincible and vulnerable to any safety issues. And a number of them in the tens of thousands were being injured by diving into shallow water. Most typically a swimming pool, although the same injuries can occur from diving off of a pier into an ocean or a lake. And, but most of this is in shallow water in the shallow end of a swimming pool, whether it's an in-ground or an above ground where the entire pool is shallow water. So that became interesting to me to study why are they diving into shallow water? Who's more likely to dive into it? Not just by age, but by, uh, is there a gender difference? Is there a difference between those who perceive the hazard to be real or not? And I became very interested in studying those variables that predict who is most likely to get injured. That then expanded to my interest in food products because uh, teens are likely uh, uh, to, uh, well, actually starting with infants, infant formula became a, a product that I got interested in because there are no warnings about the fact that it isn't a sterile product. And grandparents or parents would be giving infant formula to kids who are under six months of age, and they could be susceptible to uh, lurking bacteria that are there because it's not a sterile product. So I got interested in doing studies, academic studies, on the efficacy of warnings or safety information. In other words, what makes for an efficacious or an effective warning and under what conditions can a warning be more or less likely to succeed? That's the interest that I got, Jerry. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from the swimming pool dangers, and uh, you know, we've all noticed how independent teenagers are too, but sometimes kids younger than teenage years can be difficult to control in that area. Aside from swimming pools and infant sterile uh, types of formula, what are some of the other products that grandparents might not think are dangerous or might have, or circumstances in which grandparents are caring for their grandchildren that they might not think be fraught with danger that you've encountered in your experience as a warnings expert? That's a great question. And uh, because the whole theory of my new book, Murder Incorporated, was to get two reactions, not just from grandparents, but from any of my readers. And that is one, gee, I didn't know that. And two, wow, that could have happened to me or my grandchild because I didn't know it. And my, my tagline in the book is basically, the more informed you are, the safer you'll be. Well, what are some of those products? For example, number one, you might want to drive through McDonald's window and get for your grandchild a Happy Meal. Well, guess what? I have 13 lawsuits involving Happy Meal burns. What do I mean? You might not be aware of that as a grandparent, but Happy Meals are cooked at a very high temperature. 
And the theory McDonald's has, not just with their hot coffee, which is also famous in litigation circles, but because they wanted to keep the uh, the uh, Happy Meal hot when the parent or grandparent got home with the product, sometimes children eat in the back seat of the car. And if you're feeding your grandchild a Happy Meal and all of a sudden uh, the package opens up, it could spill on their lap and scald them because the hot, the uh, heat that it's uh, produced at is 20% higher than most other products are. With coffee, by the way, and this isn't for your grandchild, coffee is produced at 190 degrees at McDonald's, which is 40 to 50 degrees warmer than at other uh, uh, coffee dispensaries. And they did it again so that people could drive through and have the coffee hut at work. In the meantime, over, 100, over 700 people have been scalded third-degree burns by McDonald's coffee. Same thing true with the Happy Meal. Uh, infants and grandchildren have been scalded by Happy Meals. That's just one small example. Let me give you another one. Uh, sometimes grandparents are very uh, uh, eager if the child, if it's a younger child, is toddler, for example, they're screaming or having a, a, a temper tantrum, you might think that a good way to stop it is to give them some sweet thing to nibble on. That's very dangerous. Uh, sugar is one of the things I've devoted a lot of my efforts to informing the public about because uh, we're not aware of how dangerous sugar is, and particularly with grandchildren, you want to give them a sweet cookie or a sweet drink, a sip from a Coca-Cola or something like that. Uh, these are enormously dangerous products and just in terms of the amount of sugar that is present. For example, in one soft drink, and I'm not pretending that a grandchild should drink a 20-ounce Coke, but a 20-ounce Coke has almost 18 teaspoons of sugar in it, and we don't know that. We don't know that because the industry doesn't tell it to us in teaspoons. Every grandparent out there listening knows that we cook, we bake by teaspoons, you know, take a bissel of this, a teaspoon of that. Everybody knows grandma's recipe with teaspoons. What we don't know are grams because the American public is not educated in the metric system. And the sugar industry knows that too well. And so they put all of the products that contain sugar, they label it in terms of the amount of sugar in grams. And that's deliberate. That's because grandparents and everyone don't know how many grams are in a product. They don't know what that means. So if somebody says, well, your Coca-Cola has uh, 68 grams of sugar, you think, well, maybe it's a lot, maybe it isn't, I don't know. And then you divide by four because it's four teaspoons, uh, four grams per teaspoon. For every teaspoon, you have four grams. Well, if you divide four into 68, you get 17 teaspoons of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. You wouldn't want your grandchild drinking 17 grams of sugar. So that's a very important uh, lesson. Another thing you might want to think about as a grandparent are microwave ovens. They're in everybody's home. Well, uh, you put products, first rule of thumb with a microwave is don't put anything into the microwave that isn't food. Because a lot of times uh, people put innocently products in there to heat them up. For example, uh, wax debilitators they use to take care of removing uh, facial hair. That should never go in a microwave. Well, at any rate, you put products in a microwave. Let's say you're putting food product in a little cup of soup for your child or your grandchild. If you cover it 
with a piece of paper towel, which I do all the time to prevent the thing from overheating and making a mess in my microwave. Well, be careful. If you use Bounty paper towels, it's okay. I'm not trying to endorse Bounty, but a brand name paper towel, it's okay. But if you put a generic recycled paper towel over it, guess what? And I didn't even know that. It can explode because recycled paper contains metal shards. And we all learned early that metal shouldn't go in a microwave. So again, even I, as the warnings doctor, I didn't know that and it could have happened to me. So that's another example. Uh, toys. We want to give our children lots of toys. Uh, I mentioned uh, swimming pools are uh, one of the leading causes of drowning among grandchildren, young children. And that's because grandchildren sometimes get left alone in the pool. And you don't want to ever leave your child alone in a swimming pool. Another example, the pools all have covers on them. Over 1,000 children are either injured or drown a year, infants and young children, from uh, playing in the thought on the top of a solid cover, pool cover, and they don't realize the cover uh, can fall down and you could uh, drown very quickly. There are three and a half million sports injuries a year to children. That's correct. Three and a half million sports injuries a year. So while you may be taking your grandchild out for uh, a fun day in the park or uh, a game of sports with their friends that you're going to help supervise or umpire with, be very wary of some of the injuries that can occur. And so we have to be involved with protective clothing uh, if we're going to get involved in sports. You may notice if you watch a baseball game on television, now the baseball players all wear protective gear around their arms to avoid getting broken bones from a pitcher throwing a fastball and hitting their arm instead of uh, over the plate. Those are just some examples, Jerry. What are some of the sports injuries that you've encountered as the warnings doctor that you have found uh, did not, uh, could have been prevented by equipment or clothing that were not, and there were no warnings associated with them? That's a great question because the most important sport for preventing injury is football. Uh, and many of you grandparents listening have to sign the waiver forms. I know I did when I played high school football. My mother had to sign the form, the permission slip, to allow me to join the football team. Uh, I didn't want to join it as a personal note, but my uncle lived next door to the coach. And every time I went over to my uncle's house to see him, the coach was conveniently mowing his lawn. He'd always bug me. Are you going to join the team? You're going to join the team. Eventually I joined the team and, but my mother had to sign the permission slip. Now what my mother didn't know, I didn't know. And I'm sure your audience doesn't know is that the football helmet that we use does not protect against all traumatic brain injuries, which is the number one leading source of injury in football. When I did a national survey among parents of, of children who play football in high school or junior high, only 1% identified traumatic brain injury as a potential injury that could come out of playing football. Most parents said what I thought. You know, broken bones is the most severe thing that can happen. Mostly it's abrasions and bruises or an occasional broken bone. 
that was mostly uh, 90, 95% of parents said that in our survey. Nobody, less than 1% out of a survey nationally of over 1,500 people who have kids playing football felt that they knew it was a, a brain injury was a, was a, it was a possibility. And the statistics are astounding. Over 1,200 annual uh, uh, concussions, many of which lead to traumatic brain injury from playing junior high and high school football. So that's the top of my list on, uh, and you know what? The answer isn't to build a better football, you know, get a better boat as the movie Jaws said. The, the answer is don't play. And uh, that's exactly what I recommend. And as a former football player in high school and college, I say that with a straight face. Do not allow your child to play uh, junior high or high school football or your grandchild. If it's your responsibility to sign the permission slip, don't do it because it's too dangerous a sport. And sometimes protective gear just aren't enough. And uh, I'll tell you another uh, thing uh, that I would recommend. It's not so much a sports injury. It's an injury that occurs at amusement parks. We, t we love, as grandparents, taking our grandchildren out for a fun night at the carnival or at an amusement park, Disney World or Disneyland or uh, some kind of a Six Flags operation if it's in our neighborhood. Uh, there are some very important rules that I recommend in my book about taking your child or grandchild to an amusement park because I call an amusement park a petri dish for injury to children. Uh, first and foremost, it should be a giveaway. Who is responsible for our safety and health at amusement parks? Do you see a bunch of doctors floating around? Do you see a bunch of grownups floating around who are safety experts? The answer, of course, is no. You don't see nurses. No. What do you see? You see a bunch of 18-year-old or even younger, many of them hire 16-year-old teenagers to look after the health and welfare of your child or grandchild. Uh, these kids are not trained in the safety of, they might have a sign up that says you're too uh, tall or too short to go on this ride. You have to be of a certain height. That's not enforced. I did a survey of 100 different national amusement parks, and only two out of 100 were enforcing the height rule. Another one is the weight rule. If you weigh uh, over a certain amount, and there's a reason for this, if you're going on a roller coaster, the actual roll bar won't close on you if you're obese. And that's why that rule exists. However, having the rule is one thing. Having it enforced is another. And I say this to grandparents because it's your responsibility, because don't expect the enforcement of the rules for safety that can protect your child's life to be enforced by the child himself or herself who's working at the very ride. A 16-year-old is not going to argue with some angry parent or grandparent who wants their child on the roller coaster, even though the bar won't close. So you have to be watching out for your own personal safety. Another thing I've noticed, and this is happening, unfortunately, more and more often, people are taking cell phones on these rides and dropping them and then getting out of their seat and trying to retrieve their, uh, their uh, cell phones. Unfortunately, 
the Ferris wheel doesn't always stop when you get out to pick up your cell phone. And there, and I hate to be gruesome, Jerry, but a couple of decapitations have occurred by people, children who have tried to jump out and get their cell phones. So there's a simple rule. Don't bring a cell phone onto a ride. And if it does drop, leave it, leave it alone. Or a stuffed animal for that matter, right? Or anything well, else? Anything that's distracting. But seriously, amusement parks, Jerry, are very dangerous places. Uh, water theme parks are another place that you have to watch out very carefully. Uh, one ride is a slide that goes into the water. And I noticed this. I summer in Cape Cod, and I noticed at a water theme park that my children wanted to go to. So I was watching, and, and they wanted to bring their godchildren with them who were young. So I guess I'm a grand god, godfather or something like that. And uh, I noticed that um, the teenager working at the water slide was letting children go down the slide. They're supposed to separate them by a certain amount of space and time to avoid the obvious, one person coming down a slide at 30 miles an hour, not ramming their feet into the head of another unsuspecting child. That was not exactly happening. They were just not paying attention. The children were only too excited to go down the slide. They couldn't see the other child at the other end. They're supposed to have spotters. Again, 15-year-olds who are working for the carnival are supposed to be spotting and sending a hand signal to the person at the top that it's safe to send the next person down. None of that was happening. So uh, again, I would be very cautious at amusement parks and water theme parks for the safety of my child or grandchild. Jerry, can you elaborate a little bit about the dangers of too much sugar? I know, uh, you know, we are generally are aware that sugar is not healthy, but, you know, grandparents are grandparents and we love to spoil our grandchildren. What are some of the horrible consequences that you've seen of children having too much sugar in their diet? I'm a consultant to the FDA on this issue. I'm part of the panel that's looking at the nutritional labeling. And uh, we had two issues of mine, one of which we got through, and that was to eliminate the confusing use of over 30 different terms. Over 30 terms were used by the industry to disguise the presence of sugar. And grandparents weren't aware of them. You'd see words like dextrin or maltodextrin or malt syrup or turbinado or sorghum or ethyl maltolose, whatever that means. And, you know, there were 30 terms all intended to be listed as ingredients and they could have the grams next to them and they were all sugar. And nobody knew it, so they were hiding it in plain sight. So now the one rule we did get across is you have to get rid of all those confusing terms and you just have two words, added sugar. That's half the battle. As I said earlier, the other half was that it's in uh, grams. So every grandparent should know that when you see grams on any product, divide by four, and then you'll know how many teaspoons of sugar are in that product. And my friends, if it's anything over a half a teaspoon, don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't give your child or grandchild that cookie, that ice cream, that product, that soft, the biggest are soft drinks. Don't do it. Because what's the consequence? By giving children and adults too much sugar, uh, diabetes occurs, heart disease occurs, obesity occurs. Uh, you end up with fat children who die younger 
in society because of the danger. Sugar is the most dangerous product in the United States. It's the most dangerous because it's the most seductive, meaning it tastes good and everybody becomes addicted very quickly. Do you know that sugar is four times more addictive than cocaine? I'll repeat that. Sugar is four times more addictive than cocaine. And we all have a sugar uh, uh, addiction if we do too much of it. And we want more and we want more and we want more. And it's our responsibility as grandparents to say no. Uh, it's not just just say no, as Nancy Reagan said. It's to mean it and do it and to be intelligent about it. Uh, healthy snacking and healthy eating starts with infants. Uh, we never gave our children when they were uh, when they were weaned off mother's milk and using bottles, we never gave them apple juice because of the sugar content. If we gave them apple juice, we watered it down 10 to 1. So they had the barest of apple taste, but it was mostly uh, water. We This was just because we were intelligent parents and grandparents. We knew what was snacking. So we knew children liked when they were old enough and their teeth were coming in, they liked crunchy things. Well, instead of giving them salty potato chips, we gave them carrots to chomp on, celery sticks to chomp on. And uh, it's just a matter of habit and teaching the child the right foods and not giving them. But sugar, you just divide by four to, cut, to come out with teaspoons. And remember, there, there's a trick question, a question I like to ask people all the time. How much is the minimum amount of added sugar your child should have or your grandchild should have every day? How many, how many grams or teaspoons of added sugar a day? Now, I won't embarrass you, Jerry. I'll just tell you the answer. Well, I think I have a good guess, though. All right, go ahead. I'll let you guess then. Zero. That's right. You, you got it. Good for you. Zero. There, there is no amount of added sugar. And I tell the grandparents, I'll tell you this, don't give your grandchild orange juice. Cut out the middleman. Give them the orange. Forget the orange juice because orange juice has hidden sugar in it. So I would advise against orange juice. And if you want the orange, stick with the fruit itself. And, and that's a good rule, by the way, in general. Uh, let the child get their sugar high from eating certain fruits and vegetables. There are plenty of choices uh, of sweet tooth natured fruits like cantaloupe. Watermelon is good because the sugar in watermelon will not accumulate as certain other sugars do. Um, you know, apples are great. The old adage, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It is absolutely true. But now before I go on, I want to caution. I mean, we live in a dangerous world. I even like to kid people in my book. It's not so funny. I say all the world's a hazard. And it is. You just have to be informed about those hazards. So be careful about certain things that involve fruits and vegetables. Where am I going with this, Jerry? The word is pesticides. Pesticides are very dangerous. And I like to tell people to go to an app called the Dirty Dozen. Go to the downloaded right now, the Dirty Dozen. It's put up by a group called the Environmental Working Group, EWG. And they have the opposite of the Dirty Dozen is the Clean 15. 
the clean 15. If you look at the dirty dozen, almost any time, these are the most contaminated vegetables and fruits on the open market, contaminated with pesticides. And uh, those should be avoided at all costs. Unfortunately, apples are at the number one at the top of most lists and berries. Berries are great for the antioxidants. Blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, all of them are great for us. And they're great snacks for children. Apples are great. But I would recommend for a few pennies more, get the organic. Oh, look for the sales. If you're in the New York area or have a Whole Foods near you, uh, they always have, and especially now in the summer, you have great sale prices on organic berries and organic apples. And that's what you should be buying on, on, uh, 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 for certain fruits. Now, fruits like melons, you don't have to worry so much be about the pesticides because what? They have skins. So generally speaking, fruits and vegetables that have heavy skins like avocados, you don't need to worry about uh, uh, organic. Uh, some are exceptions. For example, asparagus doesn't have a skin on it, an outer skin, but you don't need to worry. And again, the, uh, the pesticides don't go to asparagus. The, the app is called the Dirty Dozen, and it's, it's free. You download it. It'll tell you the 12 most dangerous uh, fruits and vegetables that you should avoid buying uh, a regular conventional and should do everything you can to get it as organic. And then they have the clean 15, the top 15 that you can buy conventional and not worry about organic. So yes, apples are great, but be sure they're organic apples. Jerry, I have one more question about a specific product and then, then want to turn to the resources uh, piece of this discussion. And that is, there's been a lot of the news lately about baby sleepers and infant sleepers and infant rockers. Have you been following that? And, and what, so what's your view about those? Well, not only have I been following it, Jerry, I'm involved in a number of lawsuits against companies like Fisher Price and Nap Nanny and others who have made these. They're deadly. They're absolutely dangerous for children. Parents buy these sleepers for the obvious reason. They want their screaming infant to go to sleep. So they think by rocking them and they make a mistake. You know, the intent of these nannies, nap nannies and, and sleepers is to put them on the floor. And of course, if you put them on the floor and put the child in their face up, guess what can happen? The Fido can come and lick the child. Uh, insects can come. Uh, so a lot of parents don't want to put these sleepers on the floor. So they put them inside the crib. And even those that have had uh, seatbelts on them, infants have wriggled out of them, and then they try to twist and turn, and they strangle and suffocate to death. And they're horrific. Uh, parents used to uh, put uh, children face down in cribs. They're not allowed to do that anymore, of course, if you know the rules. And you shouldn't put anything in the crib with the child, even the teddy bear, because children can roll over and choke leaning against the teddy bear. So the rule with, with these sleepers, I have a simple rule again, don't buy them. They're being banned at uh, certain stores. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Babies R Us, is, uh, the old Toys R Us stores ban them. Um, there, there's another major retail store. Uh, I'm having a grandparent moment and forgetting, <laughs> a senior moment. Uh, they've, they've stopped, they've taken them off the shelves. 
but there are some stores that still sell the sleepers. Don't buy them. They're too dangerous. This is an important point. Some products, we can get away with the dangers and the risks if we just warn people about those risks. And you can take precaution, like wearing protective clothing in some, to avoid certain sports injuries or not diving in shallow water, which my warning label on pools says, dive in the deeper end. Uh, but certainly some products, they're just too dangerous and shouldn't be on the market at all. And that's where I put the sleepers. Child sleepers are just too dangerous to uh, uh, have any benefit worthwhile taking the risk of suffocation. Jerry, thank you very much for this. Now, in terms of resources for grandparents, in addition to the environmental working groups, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 apps, what other resources that you suggest, do you suggest that are relatively inexpensive uh, and easily accessible for grandparents to use so that they can educate themselves and train themselves in product safety generally? Besides my book, Murder Incorporated, which is available in anywhere you buy your books, even on audio books, by the way. Uh, besides that, obviously, there are some real simple things you can do. First and foremost is to read every product label very carefully, both on the front and back. And sometimes it's not enough. So if you don't understand the language, there's an 800 number on the product. Call the company. Be an active consumer of information. Call that 1-800 number, the hotline. Don't wait till it's too late. Call ahead of time with your questions or concerns. Another thing is every grandparent should use the internet. If you don't have a laptop or a, 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 some kind of a device, whether it's a phone or a smaller computer, I would uh, by all means use the internet to look up information about product safety. I would not only look it up, but have a great, like you're doing, you're doing a great service with your uh, podcast for grandparents. Uh, have a blog, uh, look for blogs where other grandparents and, and parents talk to each other, safety blogs. Uh, there are over 1,500 parents groups on Facebook. So uh, join a group, look for safety groups, look for grandparent groups and talk to each other about concerns you have. Write to government agencies. Uh, I got involved with the FDA by attending their hearings. I found out that the hearings on certain things that I was interested in were open to the public, so I started going. And the more I went, the more I met people, so I started getting uh, noticed and I was asked to join certain panels at the FDA. I've become a consultant to them ever since. So you can become an activist just by attending things, just by showing up. If you don't like a product and you think that it's too dangerous, organize a boycott. Consume, let me tell you, the, the companies are petrified if they had a bunch of grandparents boycotting their product. So you can, you can actually get a lot of attention uh, to your cause by threatening boycotts or involving uh, uh, other like-minded grandparents in what you're trying to do. Uh, if you're taking a child to an amusement park, you should actually learn as much as you can. Uh, this is not known widely, but I had a lawsuit with against Universal Studios because they weren't putting their warnings out in Spanish. Everybody else was, Disney and, and SeaWorld were, and, but, but Universal wasn't. It turned out that Universal was doing it, but they were doing it online. They had a Universal safety manual available online. Sometimes you have to dig deep to get the safety information. 
it's not readily available. Like if you're going to a amusement park and I mentioned say Disney world, make sure you get their safety booklet ahead of time and read it before you take your grandparents, grandchildren on rides, make sure you know which ones are appropriate and which ones aren't and what the safety hazards are. And so you can look up those manuals online. So that's about the, some of the tips I give. I have a whole chapter on that in my book, 12 uh, Steps That You Need to Take to Become a More Informed Consumer, because it is true. The more informed you are, the safer you'll be. This is what we might call a positive 12-step program for grandparents, especially for us. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to invite now our other grandparent guest to ask Jerry your questions and share your ideas about product safety tips for grandparents. Amy in Hawthorne, New Jersey. What are you thinking, Amy? Well, hello to both of you. This is very, very informative. Uh, parts of it are a little frightening, <laughs> but it's so um, good to know, you know, uh, a lot of this uh, great suggestion using the cornstarch because, you know, when I was little, it was talcum powder back then. And, um, uh, you know, as far as the um, uh, paper towels in the microwave, uh, I, I do use Bounty, not that I'm an ad for Bounty, but yes, it's good to know because of the... Um, recycled not to use that i would never have thought that uh, i wanted to ask any products with excessive caffeine in babies or children's foods yeah these energy drinks that are available on the market are dangerous and should be avoided at all costs uh, they are super high on caffeine and, and uh, caffeinated products. The, the energy market, energy drinks, energy shots, these are very popular among teenagers. So as a grandparent, I would definitely want to avoid them. You know, there is something else I wanted to say uh, before I forget. The automobile industry has been very lax in warning parents and grandparents alike to keep their children off of when a child wants to take a nap, they lean against the side of the car. They now are putting airbags into the side. And if your head is leaning on there and a low impact collision occurs, the airbag explodes. That could decapitate your grandchild. So we have to be very careful when we put children, if they're toddlers, they belong in the back seat in a baby seat, in a child seat, seat belted in. So they can't lean against the side. If they're older, then you should uh, make sure that an adult is on the side and they're sitting in the middle so that they can't lean on the sides because I've had several lawsuits involving that. Another product that I wanted to mention that I didn't before is, uh, and you may have heard about the Peloton recall, uh, treadmills and Peloton, not just Peloton alone, but treadmills in general have been a source of injury for grandparents themselves who want to exercise at home and they're falling and hitting their heads and there've been a lot of brain injuries. And secondly, children, young children particularly are getting suffocated when they fall through the cracks of these treadmills. So we have to be very careful at home in allowing children on these products. Amy, do you have any other suggestions for us? What do you do for product safety uh, uh, protection in your own home with your grandkids? Uh, pretty much, I look at labels. Um, we had they're they're um, nine and almost eight, so we just recently took the latches off of the cabinets. 
you know, everything that they shouldn't get into still has a latch. I, I don't take any chances, but um, yeah, pretty much we watch them quite closely. And we uh, had a baby pool for them when they were little. Uh, and, you know, one of us, my husband or I would always sit with them. We never left them alone. And we still don't leave them alone, even in their pool at home. Somebody is always, always with them. And um, my daughter is very careful with all of that. But, um, you know, we do try to limit the, uh, the sugar, the sweets. They do eat a lot of fruit, fresh fruit. So I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, takes away, you know, the, uh, the yearning for a candy or a cookie <laughs> um, most times. But, um, yeah, we, we're just very careful, and uh, my daughter is very good with uh, reading labels. She buys organic fruits, uh, mostly organic fruits and vegetables. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, this was very, very interesting and informative, and I thank both of you. Amy, I have a question for you, uh, yes. and this has to do with your furniture and your mattresses. Uh I bet you didn't know this, but most of your furniture in your home, uh, particularly plush couches, plush chairs, your mattresses are made out of polyurethane foam. Polyurethane foam is nothing more than solid petroleum. It's like uh, frozen oil. Oh my God. And that means that if a child is, you know, we always have the adage, don't play with matches to our grandchildren. But if they're playing with matches and it's near polyurethane foam, which is all over your home, it's no accident that in my book I use the phrase, home is where the hazard is, <laughs> because it's true. And polyurethane foam is something we don't think about. We don't think about it because the warning labels about the flammability of these products is buried at the bottom. And most of us cut them off because they're unseemly. They don't make the chair look nice if the label's sticking out. But that's something you have to be extra special careful about. Obviously, we don't want children playing with matches. But if they're playing with matches near polyurethane, you've got a, an explosion waiting to happen. Well, now I have to go look at the. <laughs> <laughs> and, and covering it with plastic is not going to help, right, Jerry? Is that, no, that's... not in the least. It's the opposite. Because plastic itself creates a hazard. Children will get into it, and they could have a suffocation hazard. But uh, that's an important uh, thing to be aware of. Another one to be aware of is you have uh, stored in your garage a water heater. I don't know if it's in your garage, Amy, or if it's in your attic. But uh, the water heater has a pilot light on it, especially if it's an older one. The newer ones, they've tried to engineer the hazard out by covering the pilot light. But in 99% of homes and Today, the pilot light of the water heater is exposed. Now, what's the problem with that is where you keep the water heater. If the water heater is in the garage, what else goes in the garage? There's a lot of paint, old paint that's not used, all of which can have fumes that can be ignited by the pilot light. And all of those fumes are heavier than oxygen, so they float down to the surface where the pilot light of the, of the water heater is. So a very simple don't store anything in your garage if that's where the water heater is that's flammable. 
no flammable products of any kind belong in a garage. And that's easy to say, Jerry, because we keep lawnmowers in there. We keep all of our power tools. And, and that's okay as long as the fuel in them isn't full and that the fumes can go out and, you know, they leak out and go down towards your water heater pilot light. The reason I mention that is children are curious, grandchildren particularly, and they love being around those tools. So the last thing you want is for a child to be involved in a fire in your garage. Yeah, our water heater is in the kitchen behind a cabinet, so they cannot get to it. And it's only a couple of years old. We had to replace it. So it is one of the newer ones. Well, the, if the water heater has a pilot light, it doesn't matter that the grandchild can't get to the water heater. What it matters is that the if, is, it should be nothing flammable in the kitchen. And I hope that's the case in your case, Amy, that there are no flammable products stored in there that have fumes that can go down to the surface of your kitchen floor and then fall, crawl over to where the heater's pilot light is. Because if it's yes, too, no. yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, no, no, we're good. We're good. There's nothing near that water heater. Well, we, we could go on for another hour or two discussing all the concerns that we have about product safety and, and how we can learn more about saving ourselves and our grandchildren from them. So let me try to go over at least a few of the takeaways from this fabulous conversation that we've had today. Uh, we've talked about pool activities, diving into shallow water, children being left alone in a pool area or sitting on pool covers that we think are stable and perhaps are not as stable as we would hope them to be. Fast food restaurant overheating of food that can burn children and those of us who are not quite as secure in holding them as we used to be. Uh, the significant danger of sugar giving sweets to children. The fact that there are four grams of sugar per teaspoon. So there's a lot of sugar in not only soft drinks, but in some of the foods that we give to our grandchildren that we may not associate as being very, very sugarful. The dangers of having sugar in the diet for anyone, but especially very young children, the likelihood that they may develop diabetes, heart disease, obesity, uh, and other illnesses resulting from an excessively over-sugar diet. Energy drinks that are high in caffeine, very dangerous to watch out for. Microwave ovens, make sure that you only put food and beverages in there and nothing that might contain metal shards such as recycled paper towels or other items that might have a little bit of uh, aluminum foil in them, for example, that you may not have noticed before you put them in the microwave. All of those can cause the microwave to explode or burn and injure people around it. Toys, all sorts of product dangers associated with various kinds of toys, sports injuries, uh, particularly if the players are not adequately protected by equipment because helmets don't protect against all brain in injuries. Amusement and theme park dangers and threats. Unbeknownst to most of us, there are no medical or safety officers in proximity of where our children and grandchildren may be playing in amusement parks. Uh, the rules about height and weight restrictions and separation of riders from one to rider to the next are generally not enforced in most theme parks. So we have to be more vigilant in enforcing them as grandparents when we're supervising our grandchildren there. Don't allow your grandchildren or anyone in your life, including another adult, 
to leave the seat of a ride in an abusement park to retrieve an item that they may have dropped over the side of the of the cart, uh, whether it be a cell phone or anything else that they think is of value. Even if it's a credit card, it's not worth your life getting out of a cart in a Ferris wheel uh, to retrieve it and risk serious injury or worse. Uh, pesticides in fruits. Most of us understand that good fruits and vegetables are important for our health. They're a great substitute and a discouragement for having too much sugar, but some of them can contain a lot of pesticides too. And particularly concerned are fruits and vegetables that do not have thick skins, such as apples and most berries. So for those that are in that category, it's best to try to find organic products, uh, a resource that's useful in helping determine what fruits and vegetables are safe for us are the environmental working groups, the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. Uh, we talked about specific products that are associated with just living that children may be around, concerns about a pilot light in old water heaters that might be in locations where there might be fumes available that could cause them to explode, baby sleepers, very, very dangerous, have been recalled from uh, many of the stores, uh, but they are uh, still on the market. They're still available. And the best advice that our expert Jerry Goldhaber could offer us is to just not buy them or get rid of them if you have them in your home. Uh, don't allow children who are too old to be sitting in car seats sitting next to a door uh, because of the injury that can result to a child if that airbag is deployed in an accident while the child is leaning against it. Foam, polyurethane foam that is in almost all sofas and chairs in our living room, highly flammable. So we have to take extra precautions to make sure that there are no flame and heat sources that are close to them that could trigger an explosion or a fire. Exercise equipment, of course, we've heard a lot about the exercise bicycles and uh, the treadmills and so forth, but uh, particularly for children and older people who could fall, could have their arms or legs or other parts of their body caught in some of the pieces of those devices and result in serious injuries to them. And again, we could go on and on, but uh, I think we have a lot of resources that you can turn to, including Jerry Goldhaber's Murder Incorporated, How Unregulated Industry Kills or Injures Thousands of Americans Every Year and What You Can Do About It. We might also consider wanting to get involved in activism programs, attending governmental hearings, writing governmental uh, organizations to encourage warnings to parents and grandparents that care for children and for their own sakes, and to make sure that we read product manuals. And uh, again, we, we encourage all grandparents to consider joining organizations to help promote product safety in our own homes and improve the status of warnings of product dangers in our society today. Grandparents who are listening to this podcast, if they have further information that they'd like to know on this topic, to contact me, Jerry Cole, and I will put you in touch with uh, Dr. Jerry Goldhaber to get further information to respond to your question. Again, thank you to our special guest, Dr. Gerald Goldhaber, the Warnings Doctor, and to all of our grandparent callers and listeners. Our podcasts are posted to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeart, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and our secure website, GrandCentralRadio.com. Until then, please contact me, Jerry Cole. Stay well, safe, and secure, and happy grandparenting.